This week's episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by avgearguy.com. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan or videotapes or audio tapes or film rolls that you need to import into your computer, check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name of this podcast, when you order, you'll get 5% off and a portion of your order will go to help support the rant room. All these formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All of your memories could be stored safely on the cloud or on a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AVGearGuy.com has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media, digital and analog, and they can accept orders from anywhere in the United States. Don't forget to mention the Screenwriter's Rant Room and get 5% off your order. For more details, visit their website at avgearguy.com. I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Rant Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, Chris? It, it is, is what it is. What it is. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Uh-oh. There she is. Sorry, guys. For some reason, my app was opening, so I had to, like, restart the computer, and then it finally popped up. So I don't know what was going on. She got that bootleg computer. That's all it is. Uh, no. Usually it's on there because I was on Like, I've been on <laughs> since, like, 930 this morning, and usually your little thing pops up. But for some right. reason, it didn't. And then it was, like, 1115. I'm like, well, maybe y'all late. Let me check the emails. And then I'm like, wait, I can't open the app. So anyway, sorry about that. So we, we literally just... We literally just said it is what it is, so <laughs> we've been waiting. Um, so y'all hear a voice, Lisa Bolakaji in the house. What's going down, Lisa? Lisa Colt Jam. Hey, hey, hey. Hanging in there, hanging in there. What it do, what it do. Yes, ma'am. What's up, Chris Derrick? I'm doing good. Yeah? Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> just you know, it's, it's, been, it's been a crazy week, and I, um, yeah, the last week has been crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm excited. I'm always excited. I want to start a new short story. I started it like two months ago, like the idea. I haven't been able to get to it, but now that I got two things finished, mm-hmm. we'll work on that. Something, something that is like COVID, it's COVID inspired, okay. but it's not about COVID at all. Hmm. Is it a feeling among it or something? Huh? Is it a feeling among when you're in the COVID situation or being no, stuck no, at home and it's sitting? Or that it's, it's, I mean, 
I guess I get. I mean, I I I, I tell you, it's fine. It's fine. You tell me. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta wait. He's trying not to jinx it. I know. It's like, because mm-hmm. uh, don't you know the people over like Uncanny Magazine, Lisa? Yeah. 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 It'd be so, I, 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 if I can get it good, it's something that I think that they would like. Mm. So it's it's a it's a little bit of a fantasy type of story. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Just gotta mm-hmm. write it and see. But it's that's funny, it, I was... you know that. Oh, but oh, I'm on season two mm. of the Kingdom. Oh, and then badass. Oh, you finally catching up? Oh my god, this show it's so good, dude. Uh... So shady. I do hate the zombies. I hate the zombies, but I do love the whole rest of it. Yeah, yeah. No, no but no, but see, here's the thing. Like, I look at it. I look at it in comparison to like Game of Thrones. It's essentially okay. the same show as Game of Thrones, just compressed without all the. You know the the wildness of that, Interest. and it's just like it's so well designed, mm-hmm. and it's so it's just I'm like God damn like these guys are really making people look you know like bad over here like writing wise <laughs> <laughs> directing wise it's so good it's so mm-hmm. good um, yeah I fucking love that show I'm watching Perry Mason which I was going to ask you about that because I I watched the you know sometimes the TV show overlaps. Yeah. And I was watching, uh, what's name, Michelle, what's her name, um, Michelle? I will destroy you. I will yeah, destroy I was watching you. that, and it overlapped into... Oh, Ma- Michaela Cole, okay. Michaela, I always call her yeah. Michelle. Michaela, um, it overlapped into Perry Mason for, like, the first, like, minute. And that, and I, that first pilot, I was like, whoo, this looks badass. And I was like, Chris has got to get on this shit. This it's, is so up your world. You I, mean, I, I mean, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. I mean, I, I, I could it's, see it's it's expense. Like the thing that is hard for me to watch mm-hmm. about it is they do such a good job at like recreating early thirties, maybe even late twenties, Los Angeles. Yeah, it feels like a film noir, at least in that first. I you mean, know, it is, I mean, it. the whole thing is, but it's just like. You know, like they're downtown, and it's got the streetcars, and there's—I mean, there's a shot where he's walking down the street downtown. And it's just got—it's just got the the electric cables. I'm like, y'all like really did a lot to make this feel right. like you know, um, it's you know, because you know with, that shit's hard to replicate. Obviously, they're they're obviously using like computer to do it, but it's so good. I mean, the second episode opens up with the scene, and it's maybe like two minutes. In like World War One, like trench warfare shit. I'm like, y'all spent a lot of money oh, just yeah. to give me like a two or three minute sequence. <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's good. You know, so far. Yeah, I, f- I figured you was gonna like that one, but I was tripping on the, um, you know, because you you talk a lot about music and color and the, you know, but I mean, I just noticed the shades of color and the like, yeah. like I was just imagining Shane would be like salivating the way that they did this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yeah. it was just so it almost had a sepia tonish. I'm not sure what it was, it's, but it's, it was so it's, quick. It's I only really saw the first good. It's, I mean, the but. thing the thing I love about it is it's got like it just the color makes it feel. This was kind of strange. This is what I like, I like about it is that, you know, they had color film, this two color te- color film in like the 20s. Mm-hmm. And it has kind of a, it's, it's got kind of a look where, um, I think what they didn't have like the, 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 the blue layer wasn't, no, the green layer wasn't really 
working for them. So it was, it was it was just like blue and red to make to make to make like all the colors and the early Technicolor. And it has this feel where it's 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 overwhelmingly not overwhelming, but you feel like the it, it feels like an old color film, uh, an original old color film, as if it it just it it's kind of hard to describe, but it looks interesting. They do a really really good job with making it not feel like, like modern with its color and right. super saturated, and it's so well shot. Because you know, I'm watching that and I'm watching The Outsider, and The Outsider just fucking like aggravates me with like 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 minute to like minute to minute that show aggravates me That's with right. the way way it's photographed um because they do this thing they do this thing you know where it's like they'll focus on things that don't mean anything oh, and it'll, just, it'll just and it's like the like the, the, i come into a scene and it's like and and, and it's shown like a teapot just a steam kind of a teapot and that's what's in focus the rest of the mm. scene's out of focus and there's nothing, and the teapot has got no relevance to the scene. I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like, who are these people who decided to do this? They and sound the like they're a little artsy or something. I'm not sure. It's one of these things where it's kind of like, you know, people tell you when you study photography, what's in focus is what's important. You know, like, mm. like you know, like, don't show me a detail that's got, that's got no value. It's got no story value, particularly when you're watching this stuff. It just bothers me. And also, what's terrible is, <laughs> um, not that this, this really bothers me, but it's like the white actors look terrible on that show. They look fucking <laughs> terrible because it's, it's 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 like the skin, like like the resolution is so high quality. Are they like really pale or something or what? No, no. Like you see every pore imaginable mm. on their skin. It makes them look older. It makes them look five or ten years older than they actually are. And mm. I'm saying to myself, I almost feel like they need to go back to that pancake makeup. You That's know, hilarious. From the 30s and 40s. Wow. I'm a dad. <laughs> I mean, they need that if they're going to shoot, this, shoot with this, this high-resolution stuff because these people look too old. There's, I mean, like, there's so much texture on their skin that I don't think is necessary. Conversely, the black woman in that, you know, what's her name? Uh, she played Harriet. Um, mm-hmm. What's her name? Uh, oh, um, uh, um, Arivo or something like that. Something yeah, Arivo. Cynthia. Cynthia, Cynthia Arivo. Arivo. Yeah. Conversely, she looks fine. Mm, she got great skin and it looks fine. You know, so it's like white people. I mean, so there's a light. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, but the thing is, I, but I noticed is what I noticed is when they're when, that when their white people are are in shots that are somewhat underexposed, like at night and stuff like that, that's when their skin looks okay. Mm. Because, like my brother Alex was talking about it, and it's like, oh, is that their skin gets caught up in the noise floor of the shadows, <clears> and, <throat> and that that noise is like an inherent kind of film grain that mm. you know that softens their skin out, you know, uh, to, to to a degree. But yeah. but now in the daytime, it's like shit. Have y'all been out in the desert for like like the last three days, not getting any water? Yes, damn. So, anyway, <laughs> anyway, that's yeah, hilarious. That's all, that, that's all <laughs> so, Lisa, we were. I mean, there's a couple things we could talk about. We were we were talking as you were as we we're waiting for you to get on. We were talking about all these different meetings and stuff we've been having lately, and and the um, the craziness of it, it's it's accessible to do. But it's also crazy to do on Zoom and blue jeans and Skype and all these other things. Um, it's it's more accessible for you to 
get a meeting and you could just be in your house or whatever it is. But I still try to treat them. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, Chris, but I try to still like here I am sitting here in my office right now. You know, see, how I have it framed just like, you know, with this thing in the background. You know, you mm-hmm. can see Muhammad. I try to still make it feel like it's presentable. You know what I mean? Of course. And so, and so I, I, that's just me. And so I try to make sure that when I, I was telling Chris, I had like five in one day the other day, you know, in five meetings, mm. like back to back to back to back to back. And so um, um, I, was, I was just thinking about like how other people choose to do their meetings. Do they have their favorite spot that they like to be in? Do they just do a meeting wherever they are? Or do they make sure that they you know, what they're wearing is presentable, what they look like, you know, I try to treat it like I'm going to their office, but they're in mine now. Right. You know, right if that right, makes right. sense. Yeah. Well, no, no, Make yourself comfortable. I mean, yeah. the, the, the things that I've done with Zoom meetings is, you know, it's always funny. It's, it's, it's like, I try to tailor. So I had a, uh, a Zoom meeting with a woman. I was getting her advice. Not even me, just a phone call. I was getting her advice about this pitch I'm working on. She's done a bunch of big, you know, um, science fiction like movies and TV and stuff like that. So I was like, what do I have that could kind of like talk to her but not talk to her? So like, so I had this cool kind of like this NASA T-shirt. Like I found all these things that kind of helped me kind of like say, hey, and like mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've chosen a T-shirt to fit or a shirt, whatever it is, the clothing to fit kind of who I'm talking to, and yes. and 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 there's always a good compliment about that. I bring in some lighting and stuff like that, so that I'm so that so, so that at least like you know like I'm lit well. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't like getting up when other people are not lit well, <laughs> but that's just me. Um, <laughs> but I'm just like, hey, can I, hey, hey, can I put a light here? Put a little soft box you- on it. <laughs> Which is funny on a side note. So Chris and I <laughs> Right. So Chris and I are in the writers' room, you know, um, every week on this show. And um, so every week I tell all the writers, I'm like, make sure you hey guys, I can't see you, you know, or whatever, get in a spot where you know it's like and one of them uh, just until like a week or two ago, would always be sitting so that, like, the camera is way down here, and I'm looking. Oh up yeah! Oh, oh, oh yeah! Oh yeah! Like, like, like the, yeah! I'm, I'm trying not to say her name. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, girl, can you move it so we can see your face? You know what I mean? Have you? I, I just always amazed that people just turn around and they just start talking to me. I'm like, didn't you even look how you look at all? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just always fun to me. And so finally, last week, we turned it on, and I noticed she had it sitting right in front of her for the first time ever, yeah. and I could totally see her pretty face. And, I was like, and so um, we started talking, and I just stopped everybody. I said, hold on. Thank you for finally. Yeah. I mean, because it's important. It's, I mean, because, look, if you're on the phone with anybody, I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, it's like, it's been what since the Jetsons we've been watching these damn people talk on like these damn video phones, but we never think about how it would be in in real life. I mean, and even so, like in it was a little scene in two thousand one where he's calling home and he's talking to his child, and you see, mm-hmm. and every once in a while you see a movie where someone's doing some crazy thing like that. 
But you know that's a movie where they have like designed that shot to look pretty anyway. Right, right. And, and everyone kind of feels like, hey, I'm just get on the phone the way I'm getting on the phone. And it's like, no, people can see you. You gotta kind of like figure that out, like how you're gonna, particularly if it's business. If it's your friends, <laughs> whatever. But if it's business, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not lying down on the Skype phone, is what I'm saying. <laughs> and I actually could. I need to. Take a photo of the whole room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> laying down. Everybody's like, what are you doing laying down? It's like, my back hurts. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, it does. Because, but it's like, for these, for these business things, for the business things, it's like, look, you know, part of, I mean, there was a book I was reading on, like, on, like, how to give presentations. And the guy was talking about, like, how you look when you walk in the room has a lot to do with, like, how persuasive you can be. Because if people are turned off by, you know, what you have in the background or... I mean, but so if, you're in the, if, you, if, so if you walk into someone's office, then they're, like, immediately comfortable because it's their place. But now if they're coming to, coming to your place, it's like... Are they going to get distracted by anything? Is it going to be lit right? Uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, if you walk into someone's office, your eye is adjusting for the type of light in the office. It might be too bright in there, like reality or whatever it is, but, but you're used to it. The, uh, but, the, but the Zoom camera is picking it up, so it's like, uh, is he washed out? Is she too dark? It's, it's all these things that, and it's things that you can control, and you should control them, because it'll, it, because it'll just give you this subliminal message of <clears throat> I'm in control of, of what's going on right here. And if you're having a meeting, I mean, look, most meetings are about, if you, if you think about it, it's, a, it's a, people are trying to interview you to see if you have control of the creativity that they're trying to pay you for. And that you're not insane. It's it's it's, yeah. it's those it's, it's those two things. <laughs> but see, but see, the reason why I was bringing this up, Lisa, was <clears throat> I was thinking about the presentation in yourself tells you a lot about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So so if I'm and I love how Chris used that one analogy that he did, where he's speaking to somebody who's big in sci-fi, so he wears a NASA shirt. He's showing you something, right? So why not adapt yourself? For example, you're a big sci-fi geek, right? Mm -hmm. I bet in your house, I can't tell what those books are from behind you right now, mm -hmm. but I bet you could angle them in a way to where I could see the, all the horror and sci-fi stuff you had back there. Oh, you yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so mm -hmm. I'm just using you as an example of, mm -hmm. of, of what I would do if I was speaking to a certain type of person mm -hmm. on this thing and they were specially in that. I would move, like... You know, I got a bunch of different photos in here, so I would angle it depending on the type of person I was talking to. Right, you know what I mean? right, if I'm right. talking to people who are in the history, I really want them to see I have Muhammad Ali or Malcolm X or somebody in the backdrop. You know, mm -hmm. if I'm mm -hmm. talking to somebody a little more younger and hipper, I want them to see my sneakers in the back. Whatever the thing is, right. you know what I mean? So I'm just giving them a little sense of myself, right, you know, right. so that it's kind of like we talk about it all the time. You don't have to even know... We've all been to meetings where we didn't have time to really research the person, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, what I do and what we all do, we come in, either it's the office or we're in the, 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 the foyer area, whatever they call it, the, mm -hmm. the lobby. And right. you're looking around the room and you're, you're taking in what type of people are here, right? right? 
So right. when you get into their office, you walk into the office and you you sit down and you see, oh, they have a poster of Batman. Oh, they have a poster of whatever. They have toys in a room. Oh, they're playful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You you kind of automatically get who they are if you just take 15 to 30 seconds to look around really quick. Mm-hmm. Instead of being so nervous about having the meeting, you actually relax because you see something in common with something. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Right. Well, so you know, I, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I mean, that becomes like a good icebreaker for people. Right. You know, oh, so you like, you know, I remember I remember I was in someone's office and um, some executive producer, she had um, she had a poster on her wall that reminded me of a movie idea that I always wanted to see. Well, okay. And is a poster of a play, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I have something that'd be cool if you think about. Um, have you thought about doing this play, but with but with all black cast?" And she was like, "I didn't think about that." Mm. And, it was, and it was, you know, it was a black woman too. So I was like, "You get this play? I mean, I get why you love this play. This is a great play. Mm-hmm. But imagine if you did a movie with it was all black. It'd just be, you know, I was and I was pitching who could be in it. Mm. You know, like." What if he had Denzel? What if he had Sam Jackson? What if he had like Wesley? All the same movie as well as someone young. And she was like, "Oh, I was like, because it, but 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 it allowed me to say something like on the way out of the meeting because right. because because I I couldn't see it when I came in their office, but I saw it when I was leaving, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, so just it, so it gave me something to say, so she could remember so she could remember yeah. something else about me like on the way out to help. Yeah, you, you let, let's say you almost left on a high note. Right, yeah. right. Hey, Lisa, Lisa, have you been having any, any Zoom meetings or anything? Have you guys been doing any panels on this, or what, what have you been doing lately? Can you hear me? Oh, hold on. So you lost you for a second. Go ahead and repeat what you said. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, have you been doing any any Zoom or Skype meetings or anything? You've been doing any yeah, panels, been, panels doing or anything? Few, yeah, I had a panel, a Zoom panel uh, the other day for the Clarion um, talk that we had and a couple of other meetings. Sometimes. Oh, it was good. It was fun. It was good to see, you know, one of my friends that was on there and um, my other friend, Shelly, and of course, Adrian, it's not, you know, and people and just had a lot of people in the chat and talking to them and trying to answer questions. But, you know, when you do panels like that, like you have a limited time and you're trying to right. talk and do did, things. Did but, you moderate that one? No, I wasn't. No, I was just, okay. I was just, Dr. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a couple, and I have my other, you know, chats and meetings with my writer group and different things like that. But I don't know. I was kind of thinking about, like, like you said, like now that we're doing so many meetings and we're doing so many things, um, not in person, but, mm-hmm. you know, how how you how you set up your office and your space and it, it really did make me think about you know as we're kind of going into these new modes of working and trying to get content out you know like you said it's trying to find things that make you stand out you know in a unique way um things that are mem- you know, memorable to people and things that are kind of sincere like you don't want to do stuff just to just to be doing it like you want to be sincerely interested in something mm-hmm. you know like don't just be just making up stuff just to blow smoke up you know people's butt you know but you know trying to make a connection a human connection through technology when we're no longer face to face you know um a lot of that has to do with people are going to have to start learning how to modify their voices differently you almost have to like do a little what bit do you of mean, what do you mean by that what do you mean by um, that um 
your tone. Because a lot of times when you're in, in person with someone, you're feeding off their energy, but it's kind of hard oh, to feed right. off of people's energy when you're not, you know, face to face. So totally. a lot of times you're going to have to like find creative ways to modulate your tone, um, create some kind of excitement in your voice, kind of new yeah. ways to kind of be theatrical in a way that keeps people mesmerized what you're trying to, whether you're trying to pitch something or sell something. Um, just, I don't know. And it kind of reminded me of, to jump on a, a not a different topic, but kind of jump on mm-hmm. something that I saw you post up on Twitter where, you know, people are trying to connect and get new projects going where you had mentioned something about actors, you know, reading scripts, um, mm-hmm. doing Zoom things where we're like hearing people's words and things like that. Um, right. I don't know. That's just something that really kind of fascinated me in terms of if that's something that's doable, you know, with so many people looking for content, especially with this whole new push to get, you know, more black creatives, people of color, you know, we're, we're looking for you people. We want to, we want to, you know, bring you into the fold, right. you know, are those type of ways I, that I, I, they're happening that. a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're getting the celebrities to do them. Right. Chris and I both know a lot of writers who are doing these reading table readings, if you will, right, right. on Zoom. I've watched one or two. I mean, honestly, they're a little difficult to watch for me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the characters. It's I tried to watch one or two of them, and I was like, mm, I don't, I don't know. For me, and I know that you, all of us, you know. Come from come from the background of we love rehearsal, we love for things to be smooth, you know. And I can't stand when I give my script to an actor and it's the first time they read it, you know. It's just not a smooth. Right. I want it to feel like it's choreographed, like mm-hmm. it's rehearsed, mm-hmm. like we've practiced, you know, like we've we've already rehearsed with the narrator and they know where to cut the lines out of you. You know, you know how it works, Lisa. Mm-hmm. So I don't like it to feel like it's all just a a free fall. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, unless you unless you so, do it like um, a couple of was it last month I think it was I was watching I think it was last month I was watching um, they had like they called it the Antonio Awards which is basically the Black Tony Awards where <laughs> they actually put on the whole award show like they had them singing they had them doing presentations but it was like they had pre-recorded some things okay and it came off really really good no for it to be something like online where you had all these people in different places where they had coordinated and pre-recorded and did these things and it really went smoothly like i was really entertained the antonio award it's called it's i think it's called the antonios which is basically they had had like the black off-broadway broadway folks where they just basically put on their own award show where they were awarding people for like Best off Broadway actor, mm-hmm. best you know choreography. You can go. It's on YouTube. You can kind of go on YouTube and check it out. But I really like how they. It wasn't just they just did it live. Like they had it pre-recorded, mm-hmm. and it kind of it it ran really smooth for what what my expectations were okay. in terms of presenting material and staging it. Like they were doing things where they might have two people on the screen and right. they would purposely turn to look at each other. So it looked like they were actually talking to each other. Yeah. And then they had the person who was coordinated where maybe they would show one person's face and they were, they were kind of editing it as if it were like a regular show okay. where they could edit in terms of people. It was just really creative. Right. So I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Just so many new things. That kind of like the BET awards that they just kind of like that, yeah. I thought that went really smooth yeah, too. Kind of like that, yeah, exactly. That it's kind of like that. Another I haven't thing seen I, the 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 you know it's like you didn't see it. I, I haven't seen anything on um, uh, a, a panel. I, I don't. I mean, I'm, the thing that about like 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 listening to 
performances and stuff like that, like on Zoom, is always it feels it, it it's like Hilliard said. It's like is it like how smooth is it gonna be? Like how how much dedication did someone put into what they're doing mm-hmm. pre-planning? Like what you said about the people like turning their heads like they're talking to each other. Like that's obviously something pre-planned, which to me is great, you know, because it it mm-hmm. it, it, it it lessens the the impact of you actually having these multiple screens you know right um i mean they were doing full-on show tunes and yeah. they had to edit where, yeah, and yeah. they were dancing and doing and it was just so like i just thought how's this going how's this going to work and mm-hmm. then literally i was like entertained i'm like okay you're you're coming up with some new ways of you know working around this whole covid thing and 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 figuring out how to like be entertaining and bring out stuff and i don't know it's just mm. interesting um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, so, so anyway, I thought this was kind of fascinating about like being in these, um, these Zoom meetings and, you know, these writers' rooms and, you know, um, um, cause I, I do these a lot even in development rooms. So that'll be like me and another producer and the writer's assistant, you know, <clears throat> and we're on Zoom or we're on Skype or whatever the hell it is. And, you know, we'll do a whole three or four hours of, you know, of, of the room. And it's fascinating because, I mean, it goes really, really well and it runs pretty smoothly. Um, but it's also, it's hard sometimes to just be looking at the screen. You know what I mean? There's, there's something about, and we were talking about this a little bit, if you recall, Chris, with, um, um, why am I going blank? On Anthony Sparks, <clears throat> about how he does his show, um, Clean Sugar, if I recall. It was something like in three-hour increments. Yeah. You know, so like that's like the maximum you can do. I was talking to another showrunner who said they do like 45 minutes, which I thought was really short. But, you know, I guess but they were saying other writers are at home. They have kids. They have a lot of things going on. So they 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 just work in different and they even separate the groups like one group might go for two hours. The other one might go, you know, so they're almost like some time when you're in the room and they separate the rooms, you know. Mm-hmm. So I found so like they're all coming together for that first forty-five minutes or an hour, and then they separate and come back several hours later, you know, which is interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just I'm just curious about how people are dealing with, you know, doing these Zoom calls and everything, because mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I always worry about <clears throat> is is a couple things. I feel like for the young writers or the emerging writers who are being staffed now, the first time ever on the show. And they're in these writers' rooms on Zoom in their homes in their cheap apartment, you know, because they haven't been successful yet. Are not feeling what it's like to come into the room in that giant conference table. You have your own office, or split it with another show uh, staff writer or whatever. Um, you know, the art of coming into a room and studying the script notes. I mean, the the room notes. The the watching your showrunner or one of your co-EPs, or even a staff writer who's just naturally good at the board, you know, you're just missing, you're missing the body language of the woman or the man sitting next to you who is going through something and you can tell something's wrong with them. You know what I mean? You wonder why they're quiet. It's just so many, you know, personal things that you were saying, Lisa, mm-hmm. that, that, that we are missing right. inside of that room. Right. And, 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 and here's one thing, Chris, too. You know, like on this show, we all, if we were in the room, we'd be overlapping each other like crazy, right? right? 
That's right. what you get in the room. But on these situations, we have to immediately try to stop and be like, oops, sorry, I interrupted you. So imagine how slow it makes the room go. Right. You know what I mean? I wonder. I, I could just imagine in the rooms that I've been on, it feels like the room is going a lot slower because there's mm-hmm. one person at a time. And you have to really – it gives everybody a chance to have a voice. But mm-hmm. it also slows the room down a little bit. Well, it's, inter- it's, 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 mm. you say, it's interesting you say that because I feel like, you know, the thing about a Zoom is the speaker is coming from one place. Right. Or perhaps you have, you, you have the, you know, you, you know, like you have the earbuds in. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you, you, it's, it's not spatially dynamic. Like, whereas if you're sitting at a conference table... If people are talking, you're going to hear audio from different different places in, in the in the in the scape, like to your left, in front of you, and to your right, to the right. you know to the right, you know, ten o'clock, all these kind of things, and therefore, like like, like your attention will be drawn, you know, like around, and, yeah. and also, it and, and you can feed off that energy. You can feel the energy. Right. You know, sometimes, like you know, sometimes if you're talking to someone and there's someone else talking to you next to you, you kind of like it. You kind of hear, you can hear two conversations at once, you know. <laughs> right, you right. You can't do that in right. these kind of things because no one else is talking. They're just sitting right. on, okay, so my time. To, and people are waiting for the low. Like, oh, let me jump in. Oh, right. let me jump in. Mm. Like, oh, which you might to do anyway, so you're not interrupting someone. But but, but I think people are, they're waiting to talk. Uh, it's almost kind of like it's a, a formalized version of that. Mm. Here's the funny like, thing, though. Did you you just said something that sparked me. I'm like, is that is it now going to make a whole army of writers more polite? <laughs> you know what I mean when they finally get back to the room. <laughs> I hope you know. <laughs> I hope. That's I mean, you know, it's. I mean, it's it's. I, I, that's the one thing that I find interesting on, on you know, you know, um, and like the room we're doing. It's like. You can tell when someone wants to talk, and, and you know, cause people kind of raise their hands, you know, right? Because you know, because of the because 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 the way the you know, because you kind of set that you set that the thing on tile, and you see all you see, see everyone's face at once, um, and you can tell when someone's not talking, or it's it's interesting. It's just it adds it adds a there is I, I don't well, know if people will be will be more. I made, I made a joke the other day. So one of our producers is this guy Brian. And as soon as we start, he's like this. Like, he's just so excited that we're in the room. You yeah. know what I mean? Aww. And so I commented on it the other day. I said, hold on, hold on. I just got to say this. Brian, I just fucking love you. I was like, you always have this smile that just lights up. You know what I mean? And I was like, whether you're going to get your notes or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're just like so excited. Like, wow, dude, we actually are in the writer's room here. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just funny. This is really, really funny to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, it's great. Yeah. What, what else you been up to, Lisa? What's what's going down over there? Well, I was like actually really checking out on Twitter. A lot of uh, writers were putting up their first pages. Did you guys notice that on Twitter? Yeah. There were a bunch no. of them uh, in writers' rooms who were actually talking about the first couple of pages, like trying to hit, you know, starts of pilots really good. And so a lot of them were putting, I mean, even Kirk put up a couple of his pages of different things. Um, You know, it was just really interesting how a lot of people are sharing a lot of really good content right now to help Mm -hmm. a lot of people learn how to write. And I just thought, oh my God, this is so amazing because literally you could see like several different, like they were putting up several different like scripts, 
you know, like, mm-hmm. and you could actually read them and like take notes and see what's, what's coming up. So there's just been a lot of really good stuff and just, I don't know, because of this whole epidemic, you know, pandemic, like there's been so many people who've been so revealing about a lot of things that goes on in writers rooms and, you know, how shows are picked up or not picked up. It's just a lot of sharing, um, which to me is just really amazing. So I don't, I don't know. I just, I guess I've just been kind of floaty this week in terms of people really trying to actively like share their knowledge and, and try to help you know, up and coming writers um, really see things. And I don't know, it's just been really, it's just kind of nice, you know, kind of up and downs and, you know, people going through all their stuff that they got to go through just to make it through this thing. But just to see a lot of pros like, hey, boom, this is what I did. Look at the differences, see the changes. That's just been really awesome. Yeah, well, look, I mean, here's the thing about that. I have noticed that most people that you that aspiring writers or lower level writers want to talk to or want to just get like some sort of I don't want to say mentorship but some sort of like uh, uh, just some sort of interaction those writers are open to it if you just ask them you got to be polite in how you ask and things like that but you have to be it's something interesting, you know. I was, I was, I listened to the um, Directors Guild podcast, mm-hmm. which is really great because they always have a little like thirty minute to thirty five minute Q and A with the filmmaker uh, after his movie or her movie is screened at the Directors Guild, and then another director will do the interview. Right. So, so, so it's it's a real craft craft discussion. And I happen to, you know, I just I just let it play sometimes. Yeah, just I was when I'm walking to places, I just let it play. Yeah, they happen, just keep they just keep playing them back to yeah, back. Yeah, you know, cause I, I, you know, because they're short and it's like you know mm-hmm. whatever. But I I listened to one that Nate Parker did for Birth of a Nation. So this is what just, it was 2016, yeah. four or five years ago. And Jeff Bird is 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 doing the interview. Mm-hmm. I heard and this. It was, one. It's mm-hmm. fascinating because. You know, it's a tough movie for him. You know, all this kind of stuff. You know, he's he's giving you the real dirt, not the dirt, but the grittiness of what happens with this movie. It's like you know, he had thirty days, forty days. They cut it down to twenty-seven. You know, he had to cut a lot of script pages out. But he got to a point, and he said, you know, I reached out to Mel Gibson. I wanted to talk to him because, like, you know, I felt like my script is like this is the black American version of the of Braveheart, mm. and he's like, okay, and then like a month month and a half later, I'm you know, I get a call from Mel Gibson. A month and a half later, yeah, wow. you know, and, and we're talking about my movie, and he tells him all these tips about like what to do to prep for the movie. He calls up Steven Soderbergh. Soderbergh's like, I'm shooting the Nick. Why don't you come out to New York? We can talk about it. And he's like, and, and Soderbergh walked him through, you know, how how he was shooting like the first, like you know, like that mornings of work, and then they had lunch together, talked some more. Yeah. Boom, that was it. He called up Ed Zwick, and you know, we got well, he, he knew Ed Zwick's son, but he was able to get a, a meeting with him. And then what happened was is that like you know like he got invited to Zwick's office. Zwick sat him down. They went through all the battle scenes in Glory, Defiance, and Last Samurai. He just mm, wow. Him, and he gave him, like, the inside scoop on, like, here's things you got to watch out for shooting action. Here's things, you, like, these little tricks you can do. And I was like, 
I mean, now granted, he's not, when he made that movie, he wasn't a nobody, nobody. It was his first film, but he had like been acting for a while, and he, you know, and his ways to get in. Yeah, the, the great debaters already. Bunch right, of he had, he right. Did, he, he had done Beyond stuff, the Lights, yeah. You know, so, so it wasn't like he was, you know, he could send them an email and they could be like, who is this guy? And he's, he's a legit guy. You know, so there is that thing, but I think a bunch of writers, you know, you now he's aiming for the stars, like right. Soderbergh, Gibson, you know, Zwick. Smart Choices. I mean, right. Right. Yes, right. Smart right. Choices. People right. don't like Bell, but Melka direct his ass off. Ass off. <laughs> I, 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 I don't give a fuck with you. Yeah. I mean, he says something like he said, he said to him, he's like, yeah, he's like, look, if you're directing yourself, I mean, I mean, this, I mean, this is a given, but he was like, he said, hey, if you're directing yourself, your greatest assets, your greatest asset is your health. Because mm. he said, if you lose your voice, you're fucked. You're dead. If you get sick, you're dead. You can't mm. do any of this. You know, just tell him little tricks about like, th- like things you got to do. And he, he was like, look, you know, he's like, he was like, don't ever work on Sunday. He was like, turn your phone off on Saturday night. Don't turn it on again until Monday morning. Because mm. you need that kind of like just time to decompress the movie. Um, and I just feel like that's what I think that writer. I think that because the writers on Twitter and these writers, they you know they're interested. They, I mean, everyone wants to talk about themselves, talk about their work. They love to do that. So if you can right. find a way to do that in a way that is not encroaching on someone's time, you know, and is a, and, and is respectful, I'm sure they're going to share the information with you because that's what I think a lot of people like. I've got nothing to to lose you know mm. like, i think we talked about this when kirk was on it was kind of like he's in a position in his career where he's not he's not worried about the competition i think he was saying that, that i think that's like, brilliant i think he was mm. saying like look there is no competition there's mm-hmm. enough room for everybody right and, and, and honestly there is because the thing about television that, that you that you always gonna remember is if you didn't get on a show it's usually because you weren't really right for what they were looking for, you know. There's some sort of dynamic that they're that they're looking for directing, you know, like casting that room wise. That it's the reason why that you didn't get chosen, and you probably get in another show. But you well, look at it, you look at it that way, you know. You have to look at it as like, you know, I mean, because you can't say, "Oh, my career's over because I didn't get on this show." Right. You know, there's and always something I'm, else for you. Let me just add to that. There's also the thought that um, you may have been perfect for a show, but what you fail to realize is the other writer who got the job was also perfect for the show. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. so you just have to get the show you're supposed to be on. Yeah. And, and sometimes your superpower, this is the thing I talk about a lot, sometimes the superpower you have isn't the thing you thought it was. Like you and I, Chris, we, we've talked to many big writers at the Guild who were on shows that they were like, I don't even know why I'm on the show, you know? And then they get on the show and go, oh, you know what? Here's how I can help them. You know what I mean? They find mm-hmm. what their superpower is that allows them to help them. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, well, yeah. well, well, I mean, I, I think that's the thing, too, that a lot of writers, I mean, you know, because I, I was talking with the guy, the guy who I, who I shadowed with on the act, that director, because mm-hmm. I had this meeting coming up about talking about directing some episodic stuff. And he was saying something to me that I keep hearing more and more, but I kind of get it stronger now. It's like, you know, what are you going to bring to 
the party. And the thing is, is that you really have to know that and know how to like, <clears throat> pitch yourself in a way that is interesting. The first guy was saying was like, he was like, you used to be a product of the product. And I was kind of like, what do you mean by that? And it was kind of like, you have to believe in what you're selling to the degree that, you know, that you would buy it. Mm. And, and the thing is, you, and when you're a writer or director, you're selling yourself. You have mm. to really understand, like, you, you know, like, like, what's your tagline? Like, what's your, the ultimate driving machine, you know, for you? Mm-hmm. And, and once you figure that out, it'll, it'll allow you to pivot when you hear other things because you're not worrying about, am I good enough? Right, you right. Know, it's, you, like, you're beyond that. And, 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 you need, and I think a lot of writers need to get beyond that. It's like, okay, I'm good enough because, that's, because I got the meeting because of my material. Right, now, but that's why, I, that's why I always tell writers, especially emerging writers, to submit to the Austins and the Nichols and all that stuff, you know, see if you get to be like a semi-finalist or finalist and, and be like, wow, dude, out of all these thousands of people, I got to this position in one of the top competitions. So your ego can't help but feel a little bit stronger mm-hmm. you know what I mean? as opposed yeah. to, you know, just listening to all your friends and your writers group tell you if you're good or not. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But yeah. I totally agree with that. You know, it's, it's, it, I don't know. Lisa, Lisa, I just want to bring this back to what Lisa was saying about people sharing their work because mm-hmm. I think also what people don't get is, um, I mean, it's fascinating to share people show their work and show how they edit, and you know, and what they try to do because it's like one of the things that I think that so many young writers, you know, these emerging writers, people are not, they're not aware of the importance of page real estate. Mm. You know, and yes. like, and we talk about it all the time. It's kind of like, you know, how do you get certain things to be at certain places on the page? On the page, right. You know, because mm. it's like, you know, and the thing that, and obviously what Kirk and them were talking about, it's something that a lot of people, my people might not realize is you have to do something on that first page. There'll be something mm. that makes you go, oh, it could be a line of dialogue. It could be a description in a character. It, it could be, it may be that you're talking to the reader at some point to kind of set the tone for the script. You know, there's going to be something you got to do like on that first page so that someone else who's picking it for the first time and doesn't really know you can get a handle of what this, what that script's going to be about. That's easy and, for me. Curiosity. Yeah, well, 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 <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, but the thing is, but but you have to know as a writer, mm-hmm. how do I get that on the first page? Right. So it's all about the the page real estate of, okay, so you know what doesn't belong here, mm-hmm. you know, is there something mm-hmm. else on here that that I can put, you know, I mean, or is there maybe too much dialogue that I I have to kind of trim it down to get this, You're like whatever it is, you have to figure that out, you know, because you have to say what's that moment in those opening, the the op- what's the moment in the opening two pages. The action needs to happen on page one, mm. you know. Mm. So then you can go, oh, okay. Now we, so now let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. You yeah, know, that's always, that's what I thought was so good to be able to see those different writers put their stuff up. Because literally, you're sitting there looking at like these are professionals. These are people who writing on shows, and you're looking at it like, would I want to turn the page and read the next 
mm-hmm. the rest of the script, you know. And some of them, honestly, um, some of them I would have looked at them and been like, eh, eh, mm-hmm. you know. But it was good to see that because it's like, all right, some of the stuff is subjective too. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was just really good to see what made my eyes go on the page. Did I have a sense of curiosity? Um, were there lines of dialogue that really popped or was there something in there that's like, man, this writer can really write. I can, mm-hmm. I have a sense of their voice like immediately. And I just think it was just a really great exercise, you know, uh, for a lot of us who've been writing for years to just like, oh yeah, this is what it's about. That's right. All right. Well, this well, is- yeah, well yeah, I, I mean, this is something that's, so, I mean, look, this is something that I remember reading this like maybe seven or eight Maybe ten years ago, I don't even know, a long time ago. I was reading this interview with uh, Ethan Hawke, and they, he was talking about books and stuff like that. And he's like, "Yeah, you know what I do is, you know, I go to the bookstore and I read the first line of a bunch of books. Hmm. The first, the first line doesn't get me that I'm not picking the book up. Mm-hmm. And it just made me think that it's like, it's like that with the movie or or, mm-hmm. the TV, or television pilot. Like, like you gotta." really make it it, it it has to be so intentional mm-hmm. in the first half of your first page like it's not like let's like it's just like lisa said like can you show me your voice right in the first half of the page and watching a lot of these new to- new these new netflix shows like there's a lot of shows coming out so what i found myself doing is the shows that have really been like popping like oh my god i immediately go and look for the script like literally i will pause Go do, 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 look it up and then side by side, you know, make the side and like, oh my God, it's actually on the page. There it is. Whereas the shows that are just like, I don't know how they got this on the air. I don't know who gave money and said this is a go because I am not, I am tuning out. And I, you know, it's just going through the craft of what's what's making me. And 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 like I said, watching bad things can help you too with your writing because the first thing I'm starting to ask is why why am I losing interest? Right. What is happening in this dialogue? Is there something going on here? And just making notes like, okay, that don't do that. We don't want to do that. So especially with a lot of new pilots and new shows, the recent shows that are coming out, and there's so much content, you know, that, you know, as writers, you have an opportunity to really like study and see what works and what doesn't work, um, especially in real time when you're getting a lot of shows that right off the bat, people are letting you know if they like them or not. I, I know a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the old guard mm-hmm. and, you know, certain things that are like, why are people so excited about the show? What is happening? And going to go look for the script and seeing what's working with this, what doesn't work. So I don't know. It's just a lot. There's a lot of stuff that writers can, can be using as their, in their toolbox to really hone in because it's, as, as you said before, Chris, you know, the, a lot of stuff now is very niche and very specific mm-hmm. and you just don't have you just don't have time and the opportunity and you don't have the grace anymore to hook in an audience because people are not going to give you their time like that anymore and so it's it's even though there's more platforms and there's there's a place for a lot of different writers at the same time it's really important to get some really strong, compelling writing out there because it's so easy for people to turn stuff off and it's so easy for stuff to get canceled real quick. Like, oh, they're not really feeling it. And people are letting you know in real time, like, this is this is dirty. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a couple of Netflix things that just popped off where I said, okay, let me just watch it. And literally, I watch them and it's just like, uh, you know what? I'm not even going to make a comment on Twitter. I'm going to keep that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, there's a movie that just came out that I feel like that about that everybody was raving about. I was going, this is the worst movie I've seen in 15 years. Listen, you know, I've seen a bunch of movies like that people been raving about in in the last month, two months, and I'm like, I don't know if it's me or (laughs) it's you know, or do people not know what's people not know what's good or. You know, I mean, I think we jump on that bandwagon though. Sometime, you know, it's like um, I don't mean to interrupt you, interrupt you, Chris, but I was thinking about how sometimes, like, we all know celebrities and we all know people who write projects just because they wrote it or are in it, we like it, right? You know what I mean? And we also do that because there's black people in it or because right. there's whatever, and we go, "Ooh, black people, we love it." And like, bitch, did you even watch the movie yet? Listen. <laughs> I'm not Listen. just going to say I like it because it's black people. Listen, hence, hence why, why I'm keeping my mouth shut and something stuff oh, like, yeah. you know what, you know what? Yeah, yeah I may have yeah. to let well, some no, slide. Look, I mean, look, look, I'm keeping my mouth shut on a bunch of shit because I'm like, you know what? You're going to do what you're going to do. Yes. And I'm some just, things, and some things, you got to be honest, Chris, for all of us. Go ahead, go ahead. This is my thing. I watch something, I'm like, you're not stealing me. Good. That's bad. <laughs> so I can still do what I want to do. Because I see stuff, I'm kind of like, does it mean I can't do something I want to do right, now? Right. You know? Right. right. Uh, and, and, the, and you have to worry about it, too. It's because, one, if it's something that you want to do and someone does it and shits it so mm-hmm. bad, you're like, I can't even go down that territory. Mm-hmm. But or also, they do oh, it. Yeah. What, or something that people do and it's okay. And you're like, it could have been better. It yeah. should have been better. But is, that, is, but is that because, Chris, because the three of us and a lot of people that we roll with, can it just be because we've seen so much content and seen so many varied movies that maybe stuff that we don't consider like, oh, that's kind of up, whereas some people may not have seen something like that. And, it, and it's a matter of subjective. So it's, like, it's like taste. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Kind of like, you know what? It might be great for them. Even though we might have seen something in this this iteration of this many times before, but for particular audiences, it might be brand new to them. So it is fresh, it is new, it's exciting. Whereas we're like, eh, because I know well, I found myself, I know I found myself doing a lot with horror, where I am just like, like literally, yesterday I was going through and I was thinking of like my favorite like vampire movies, and I was like replaying a clip of the original Let the Right One In. And it's the end, the swimming pool scene, where Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, like, what made that particular scene so exciting to me? It's because maybe an amateur would have shown visually everything that was happening, but because this particular film was done so well, where there's the scene where the little boy is dunked underwater by the bullies. Right. And all you see is the viewpoint of the camera on his face underwater. But you don't see really what's happening. All you see is, is two sneakers running across the water really, really fast, and then a leg floats down, bloody. And then, like two seconds later, you don't, like you said, you don't see anything going on. But then the next thing you know, you see a, 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 a severed head floating down. Meanwhile, the camera is just focused on the boy, and then the last thing you see is the actual hand that's holding the boy down. It just floats down, you know, cut off. And you see nothing. Like, this is all you see. And then when that little boy pops up, all he sees is the vampire's face, and they have that moment, and then the movie goes on. And where it's like, to me, it's such an 
outstanding filmmaking because it's it's not giving you a whole bunch of bells and whistles. It makes the scene even more horrifying, you know, just by us focusing that thing. And whereas other, you know, vampire films that have stuff, they always want to show a little too much or do things. So I don't know. It's just. But you know what? They also didn't always treat them like kids. Yeah. I think that's. That's the European thing, too. Like, we always right. are, like, so gentle, and we talk to them like we, they're, like... We do cop, yeah, exactly. whereas... Uh, yeah, or, well, well, well uh, so the thing that they do in American movies is, with kids, is that, like, and that is, the kids... The kids gotta have, like, it, like, like, like movies about kids in America, they gotta have a fucking attitude. Like, the kids gotta have these attitudes and these, arch- and, and these archetypal things, and I'm like, I'm, I'm just kind of like, ah... Like really, really? Because you go and watch a movie out of Europe and there's kids in it, and it's like, oh, they're just like kids. They're regular kids. They're not, you know. Like I, I always point to that movie that really let me know that you that you could do a kids movie, or sorry, an adult film with a kid at the center. It feels right. Four hundred blows, right? Like four hundred yeah. blows. Like you know, mm-hmm. like those, like those two phones. The surrogate Truffaut, what's his name, and his, and his friends, they're just like 10-year-olds. And you're like, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. And I've seen that with like a bunch of other European films where it's like they're not trying to be like these kids that would be on, you know, um, America's Got Talent. Yeah, like know? the overlay coaches and... It's, it's just it's, it's all it's, this shit with, it's all this shit with American children when you're on screen. It's like being a kid's not enough for anyone. It has to be like... They have to be like fucking like I, they'd be midgets essentially, you know. I, like they're adults, like be, the the adult. There's like it's it's everyone from the Breakfast Club. Did you say scaled just, down, but scaled down to like a ten year old? I'm just like, yeah. uh, did you say midgets? He meant little person. I didn't Thank mean you. to say that. <laughs> Let's correct that. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. I'm just trying to say, but it's I, I mean like. Uh, I mean, at least back to your point, I mean, yes, it is that. It's probably, because here's the thing that I realized. I noticed this one time I was talking with someone about, about, about cinematography and stuff. I was like, the movies that I really love and to have these really kind of like expressive type of work and stuff like that, most people haven't seen them. Mm. You know, because my thing is, I would go out and look for stuff that was obscure, that these great filmmakers would talk about go oh this is where I got inspired and I, I, I go what movie is that I've never even heard of it mm-hmm. and I go out and have to spend like two this is back in the day we had to spend a week and just trying to track something down and see what the fuck it is in the city and go and, and, and plan a day to go find it yeah um, and then you see stuff that's like no one is doing like I saw this movie last night called um it's called Pale Flower and it's a Japanese film noir and there's a moment where a guy was having a a fever dream, and this woman that he was what is into but couldn't really admit to her that he was liked her, she kind of disappeared for a little bit, and she was hanging out with this dude. Or she she said earlier she was interested in this dude who was a who was a dope fiend. She's like, oh, I'm curious what's that like to shoot up, and he was like, don't do any of this shit. And in his fever dream, she's out with him and in some little like hotel room getting all high he's shooting up or something like that but the way he filmed it he like he posterized the black and white film 
which is kind of like this weird technique where the shadows all turn to like a super light gray. And it and I was like, I've never seen anyone posterize black and white. I've seen it in color, but not in black and white. It was so fucking cool. And I was like, this is, one, this is probably why I want to watch this movie because I remember someone that said it has some really cool dream sequences in it and other stuff. And I was like, this is what, but, but who's even heard of that movie? Like no one's heard of that movie. And it's and so when you see stuff like that, it's really a different level of 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 of, of, of practitioner. When you, and you see regular stuff, you're just like, this is what people are excited about. This is simple. I don't know why people got excited about this. I wow. want to talk about something that I'm not going to. I'm so I just <laughs> <laughs> I just I just I think I was saying with like the outsider, like the outsider. We can't hear you, Lisa. Oh, sorry, take my mute. There you go. No, I, I was saying that's why, you know, sometimes you have to stand back and, and think, okay, is it because I've seen this enough times and I I know all the cliches, I know all the been there, done that, there's nothing subversive in New Year, and I've checked out, whereas it's fresh and different and new for someone who's encountering it for the first time. But I don't know. I, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to have a little discernment and compassion. <laughs> Well, you, but, you know, for people but, 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 to enjoy yeah, but, their things. But, but also the things, like I was, I was talking to someone about a couple of months ago, and she was going on this kick of watching a bunch of Fellini films. And she was asking me, she, she saw his film with Strada. And she was like, I don't know why this film is important. And it's like, it's, I've seen this story. I said, yeah, it's important because that was the first time that story was told on screen. She's like, oh, that makes me like appreciate it differently then you know and there's always that to consider when you watch them it's one of the things about like i like watching about you know films from the past is you it's it's easy for me to kind of watch something and kind of put myself in the mind state of when this originally came out what were people thinking Mm. you know Mm -hmm. um because it's like we were talking i mean again i was watching that thing I mean, listen to the thing with uh, Jeff Bird and Nate Parker. You know, they mentioned this thing, which I knew, but he, he mentioned something that I didn't quite put together when I talked about it. You know, so the title of that movie was originally going to be called um, The Klansman. Right. And he was saying, you know, when people look at... But he was going to call his movie The Klansman? Or no, 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 no. Birth of a Nation. Yeah, yeah. The first oh, yeah, we knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but the thing he said is this, you know... He said, "He said, you know, but the ranks of the clan kind of swelled after mm-hmm. that movie came out. So it, it kind of, so he was like, America really embraced its white supremacy in a way that it hadn't before. Mm-hmm. And when people watch it now, they think that you know the racists are these guys in the backwater with half a tooth and shit like that. And he's like, no, sure. no, 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 because the whole right. country got down with this. Right, the whole right. country. Right. It's just, it's just things where it's like." You know, some things. Did, become, did he say why he called it Birth of a Nation too? He said that he wanted to take that name away from Griffith. Okay, he's taking the power back. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and 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 he says something that that I've been saying for the last fifteen or twenty years: the real birth of our nation is not July fourth, seventeen seventy six. It's Juneteenth, because mm-hmm. because the America before the Civil War was a was is you know like doesn't live up to, to the ideals that it claimed it was in, in no right. shape or form you know right. because because they let they let slavery roll when they and and they 
kicked it down the can. They kicked the can down the road because uh, we can't. We don't want to deal with this. When they eventually, but when they eventually had to deal with it, that's when the nation, like like truly, uh, truly had opportunity to start like living up to the ideals that they put down in the Declaration. That's why he like wanted to call it that as well. And I think that's why right. he wanted to call it that because right. the right. nation, the nation as we know it, doesn't exist until after the Civil War. Right. You know. Right. And even when they had the opportunity within that 10 year during the reconstruction, when we almost, almost had it together and then it just went to shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Will, willfully so. Willfully yeah, so. Yeah, willfully so. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, man. Man. Well, thank man. y'all. I figured it's going to be just a short episode today. I just want to talk a little bit about the, um, the, um, the Zoom thing. Mm-hmm. You know, about what it's like in the rooms and then just, you know, just shoot shit with y'all about what's been going down. You know, any other things y'all wanted to talk about. I do like the thing you were talking about, though, Lisa, about um, I hadn't, I never, I never think about inserting myself in certain things like you were talking about the thing that Kirk did um, and everybody's like showing people their, right. like, the first few pages of their scripts or whatever. <clears throat> um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's not a bad idea to do stuff like that. I just never, I don't know why I never think about. I mean, I participate in like comment, but mm-hmm. I never actually, you know, show my stuff. And there's no mm-hmm. reason I don't. But right. it does give right. you, it does give you, you know, a moment to think about why don't you, and maybe you should. You right. Know? The other thing I was thinking about was, <clears throat> is that before we wrap up, is that I've noticed. Since this George Floyd incident has happened and everybody's at home and they're all dealing with all the bullshit that's going on. And you know me, I've talked about this many times. I'm not, you know. However, I'm finding myself becoming more and more kind of political, if that's the sense, Mm -hmm. where I'm not afraid to talk about things as much anymore. And probably Mm -hmm. because the space has changed. Right. right. You don't look like the crazy, black, angry black man if you speak out now. Right. You, now you look like somebody with a voice. Right. Before, before, in my opinion, you look like the dude talking too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now I feel like there's, a vo- there's, there's, there's room now to uh, uh, voice your opinion. So I've always been kind of in the shadows doing things like, for example, here's an example. Um, as you guys know, I'm the co-chair of the education committee. Right. With Jeff Melvoin and all these, you know, it's pretty much a white committee minus me and maybe one or two other people. Right. Right. And the other two or three people are usually just people of color. So whenever there's an event, I'll sit quietly and wait for everybody to say all their here's who we want to bring on the panel. And I'll just be listening going, okay, that's not a black person. That's not a black person. And then I go, I'll raise my hand and be like, uh, this is great. However, uh, we need to change. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. However, we need to change it. Now, mm-hmm. what I've taught them over the last four or five years being on this committee is now everybody immediately thinks, well, who else do we have? You know what I mean? I'm like, you got to mm-hmm. at least have one. I don't care if mm-hmm. we're the token, whatever. You mm-hmm. need to fill it. This is how America looks now. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I, and I say, I'm going to start with somebody black. Here's a suggestion, not throw out a name. And right. then I say, if not this person, there could be other people. You guys can throw in your other feedback, but I want somebody black on the panel. And if not mm-hmm. somebody black, we'll move to the next person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
So mm-hmm. I've been doing that for at least four or five years now on all the other the, 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 the LGBT community, the Latino community, whatever it is I'm on, I've been doing that. But I find now the position I'm in after the Dear Hollywood letter came out, I'm feel even more, you know, like, err. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's a fascinating and it's not, and it's And it's not a negative thing. Basically, right. you know, like I said, you know, this last four months, this country has been going through a reckoning. Mm-hmm. And the things that we've been talking about are things that we've always talked about. The thing that's different now is other people outside of black folk are finally recognizing like, oh, that's what you meant. You know what I mean? And they really have to sit with themselves and they've really had to, you know, for a lot of them have to be dragged a little bit, kicking and screaming to realize, you know, that the, 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 the old way of running things is not, not only is it not successful or profitable, but it's not wanted anymore and it's not desirable and it's not, it's not bringing you the best that you could have. You know, especially if you're talking about your writing rooms or film or content that you're not like I saw, um, you know, a couple of days ago, people were, were not only talking about writers, but they're talking about black folks behind the scene, the hair, makeup, mm-hmm. all that stuff, you know, really speaking out and calling it out. Whereas we've always been saying these things, but now people are just feeling really empowered to be like, you know what, fuck it. We don't tell you every single thing, <laughs> you know, and you're either going to have to act on it or get left behind, which is honestly what's going to happen to a lot of these folks. Well, you know what, this is the thing, and you make a really great point. It's kind of like, you know, there's this, you know, there's this concept that they talk about called the monomyth. You know, in terms of like the European monomyth that has gone on for a very long time. And what happens is the result of that is as you have these is that there's the idea for a story. It's a great idea for a show or it's a great idea for a movie off of that, you know, just like like the surface of it, the tip of the pyramid. And but so it doesn't follow the same ground that has been tread a hundred times, you know, because of the thing with the monomyth is if you open it up to other people of other backgrounds for whatever it is, race, ethnicity, religion, you know, or, you know, sexuality, disability, like whatever it is, it, they're like the, the main story you want to tell that story, you're going to tell that. But the nuances of it are then going to become something quite different. And mm. that's what makes something more compelling at this point in time in history. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I, there's a movie that I saw like like earlier in the year, I think it was in January, it was called The Nightingale. Australian movie. The woman who directed, I think it's her second movie, she did a movie called The Babadook before that, which was her first yeah. film. Yeah. And the Nightingale is a story about a woman. She's an Irish woman in Australia who's like an indentured servant. Mm-hmm. So she's a slave. And she's trying to get her her freedom from the the military base, which she's like, you know, assigned to. And they rape her. It kicks off because that they rape her, everything like that. And that she wants to get revenge. And she teams up with a... Um, 
an aborigine guy because the people that she wants to kill, these soldiers, have left, have a 12-hour head start on her, and they're going through the outback. And she's like, I can't do it on my own. And the fact that it's like that you bring in this guy who's like, who has his own kind of like bad history with with not just her because she's white, but 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 with the soldiers too, is this mm-hmm. constant friction that I don't think I've seen in the in, a, in an American movie. And it's a story that you could say, oh, this could be a, a story from the American West. This movie like could have been like True Grit. Or could have been something like that in terms of what it was. Terms of, I mean, I'm sure they pitched it like, oh, it's true grip, but this way. As right. opposed to having like, you know, the John Wayne character be this old grizzled white guy. It's this this it was this Aborigine guy who was younger, whose family had all been wiped out, and it was and, and, and it was so fascinating. I uh, take it that, he, he knew the outback too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he's on yeah. land, yeah. Yes, right. you know, so it's you know, it's kinda like, you know, oh, have I seen this I've kind of seen this movie in a sense, you know, yeah, I've seen it in a sense with like Native Americans in a sense, you know, but it's like the white guy who is like in that film, he's kind of beholden to the Native American guy in a way mm. that is um, so the story can go. But there'd be less friction in, in, in a Hollywood version of this, you know, right. like the. In, uh-huh. in the, and, and, and she was still saying, fuck you, dude. Like, you're beneath me, even though I'm a slave and I'm white. You're beneath. It was so fascinating, like, that, well, that, that interdynamic throughout the story as it kept progressing. And I was like, this it's is called what? Story. The Nightingale. And, uh, I mean, I saw it because, um, A, I like that filmmaker, but I was like, what's she doing next? I don't really know. But there was conversations online in the, like, in the previous fall, like, this movie was causing people to fucking like, like, like pass out in the theater and, and vomit in the theater. And I was like, oh, I got to see this. Because I always say to myself, if your movie can provoke that kind of physical response to someone, right. you're doing something that, mm. that is worth watching. You know, and if it's like, not like it's so guilty, you throw up. That's a book. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, because it's, you know, I've I've seen a few films that have had that kind of reputation, and most of them are are, are like I remember watching Irreversible because I heard people fainted in the screening yeah. at Sundance. Yeah. And I was like, no, they didn't because I didn't yeah. see if they did. Yeah. I was like, well, okay, people, okay, people could have fainted. Yeah, people yeah, fainted. yeah, um, yeah. And the same thing with this movie; people could have fainted. I mean, for, for sure, they yeah. could have fainted. That's but so funny because there. that's so funny because when we were talking about, I was talking to Nana Reeve and a couple of people uh, online about uh, Midsommar, and we were talking about our black version, our, not black version, but our black reaction to it. Whereas to me, the horror wasn't all the people and all the crazy things that were happening in Mozart, like the horror to me was when the white dude stole the black guy's PhD thesis dissertation. <laughs> and I was stressed out the rest of that movie, like this mofo sat to your face and said, he going to take your work and going to do his thesis. Meanwhile, people dr- diving off the top of the buildings, smashing <laughs> their faces in, people getting skinned and stuff. And I'm sitting here and the horror to me is, you took this black man's hard work. <laughs> and we were like, only black people would be stressed out over something like that because it was just like the indignity of it. Like the, the horror was going on, but the horror, the real horror to me was like, 
you gonna take credit for a black man's work yet again? And we were just laughing how, you know, things that people take for granted, what other people think is gonna be scary or crazy, but whatever nuance, whatever it is, that thing that you have within yourself that you bring to the to the stuff that you're watching gives a whole different nuance to it. It was kind of like when I was just joking too with um, the, the original Amityville Horror, where to me the horror wasn't the devil in the house. It was like, oh my God, the guy has saved all this money to pay for his, his brother-in-law's wedding and the money has disappeared. How's he going to pay for the mortgage on the house and the wedding? And meanwhile, oh. the devil's like spitting up blood all the place. But my, my ass is sitting there thinking because of poverty, I'm thinking, but they're going to get kicked out of the house. But the adult me is like, but the devil lives in their house. But it's like, right. yeah, but when you're poor and you ain't got no place to live, you're going to have to negotiate some things. <laughs> you know? Y'all going to have to work it out. We're going to have to share some rent or something. But it was just interesting how, you know, this year, what upsets or, or gets a visceral reaction from people is really different. And it's telling from what, what how people react to those things. So, Well, yeah, well, it, and... and, and, and... And so that goes back to what you're saying, what I'm kind of co-signing on is you get different people from different perspectives and you put them in the room and they're going to say one line that also put this in that might mean something like it might be something like 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 very little to the show on like, well, all right, if you want it, you know, <laughs> right, because, right. you know, because, you know, it's going to hit these people in a certain right. way that he or she is not even like considering. Right. And I tell you what, at the end of Midsommar, I was like, yeah, that's what you get in that bear suit. That's what you get. Now you burn it up. You should have totally stopped. That's what you get. Hilarious. That's what you get. Well, thank y'all. This was fun. Good to see you guys. Yeah. You know, you man. Um, striving out there. Keep doing your thug fizzle. Yeah. Okay. Um, about to jump into oh, other Yeah, we're, we're going to have some, we got some big, some more big, um, Interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, nice. One of them is Brian Fuller from American Gods and yeah. Star- oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a long talk the other day. Him and I. Good, good. Um, he's the one that Tanana Reeve do referred you and I to Lisa right. to do that um, fear, fear queer, queer fear. Can you, or something can, you, like can you talk about it openly or no? Um, yeah, they're doing a documentary about um, queer, queer horror, queer, horror, queer people. Huh? Yeah, and so, but they are interviewing. He said there's one or two females in the movie who are who are straight, who are being interviewed, right. you know, who are black, who give another. Because I was like, you got to meet my girl Lisa. Yeah. You know? So um, he's supposed to be talking to you at some point. But okay. I want to. But he said he would love to come on the show. Oh yeah, I haven't come through. Yeah, we need, so I want to have. We need to talk about some horror things. We need to talk about because I have some things to talk to him about with some <laughs> of this content. That'll be fun. Right. I want to. I mean, look. I'm curious to talk to him because you know American Gods. Uh, I mean, he's done a lot of good stuff. I mean, it, it, he's walked off of some shows too, or yeah. been pushed pushed off. He walked off. Of, he left off of that one. That's one of the shows he left yeah, off. Yeah, of he too. left yeah. off of that. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's fascinating. He's yeah. fascinating. yeah. Really, really nice. You know, openly gay dude, just like hella, hella dope. Um, um, really, really dug him. Um. And then we're going to have Rashad, Rashad um, Robinson on from, um, um, why am I going blank on what the hell it's called? Um, Color, Color of Change. Color of Change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Did, hey, hey, Chris, did you watch, I can't remember, were you on when we did that Juneteenth event? Were you on the, were you on the call that day? 
Because the, the varsity thing? Yeah, I was. Yeah. 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 Okay, because remember Rashad was on that, and I was chiming in going, Rashad for president. Like, he's fucking bright as fuck. Oh, I just yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, badass. Yeah. So we're going to have him, you know. Um, um, I'm also um, um, talking about working on this um, this new, it's kind of like a, remember we talked to the guys at that um, scriptation? Yes. It's, it's like a scriptation, but way different. It's going to be, it's called Script Hop, I think, or something like that. And so we're going to interview this guy, um, um, Yori, who's one of the one of the, um, the the founders, you know, putting the thing together. The developers. And, yeah, and he is he's like a big casting director. He's casted like you, movies you know from I mean, just big shit. <clears throat> so I want to hear his perspective, you know, as a casting director. And they're about to drop, I believe, in August, um, the actual. Um, script hop um, information. Okay. They're about to live with it, and so um, I want to have the founders on the show too to talk nice. about it. Nice. Yeah. Okay. They they asked they asked to be on the board. Nice. So hopefully dope. we'll hopefully we'll all get that for free. Yeah. Well, there you go. I like your boys thing. And we, you know, Brian. You know the thing for scriptation. Uh huh. Have you been using it? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, I mean, I mean, like every time I read someone's script who wants notes on it, I use it because um, okay. it's e I, it's easy for me to like do the notes on it. Uh, you know, it's a lot like working it; it's just working in the PDF. But I mm -hmm. like the interface is a little more interesting than um, than Acrobat. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. From what I from what I understand, and I'll, I'll let Yori explain it to us more, and maybe the team when we have them on. Um, if I recall, it's 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 a little different than scriptation in the sense that it's almost like the blacklist where you upload your stuff to this thing, right, on the blacklist. And so, say say we want somebody to send them a script. I'm, I'm pitching this horribly, by the way, but they they can explain it a lot better than this. So in essence, you want to send somebody a script. All, instead of sending them a PDF, you send them this link. Mm. And the link goes to that. And on the link, they, they can click it, open it right up. And it almost puts in not only your script, it has like the log and synopsis. And has, you, you could like go into Google and drag in images of, of like a deck. You could build a deck on there and everything. So everything is in one place. So mm. no longer do you have to send them five or six different things. It's like here everything is right here. You know, that's that's and, it keeps, and it keeps the most up to date scripts constantly um, and stuff like that. And it just sounds like a really, really easy to use thing to do. Um, and I love that you could just build your own deck right there. Mm. You know, I thought that was that was really creative. Um, that's cool. So I'm, I'm pitching it horribly. But when they get on and speak to us, we'll we'll get more into that. So nice. Nice. Right. Oh, no. last thing. No. Jenny Frankford from Finish Line Script Competition called me the other day. She wants to sponsor the show. So nice. hopefully we'll be... She, I told her to put something together for me. So she said she might not do it until later after the summer. Um, but because um, she wants to do it for like nine months out of the year. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we'll be... So hopefully that'll all pan out and we'll agree to whatever... You know, that all works out, too, and stuff like that. So. That sounds dope. Nice. Nice. All right. That cool. sounds super dope. All righty. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Where you at, Chris, Derek? Uh, where am I? I am, 
on Twitter and Instagram at uh, unauthorized CBD. Awesome. Lisa, Lisa, Code Jam. You can find me on Twitter at what fresh hell is this? So yeah, pretty much on what fresh hell is this? So right. that's cool. the go-to for me. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at Hilliard Guest. <clears throat> you can follow the show, Screenwriters RR, on Twitter. Any questions, ScreenwritersRentRoom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, um, Google Play, Spotify, whatever you guys listen to. We're everywhere. You can find the show. Um, what else, Chris? Uh, then, if you want to support the show, just like Jenny is doing in the future, but people can do it individually, they can go to our Patreon page. Yes. And and you can find the link for that on our website, screenwritersrr.com. There's multiple links to the Patreon page. Uh, that, that's just that's just on the homepage. So don't slip. Uh, go there, support the show in this time of uncertainty and pandemic, and you know the craziness with the fool in the White House. So you know, just you know, support us as much as you can. Uh, on the you know, there's other stuff, interesting stuff on the website as well, and you can get yeah. your shirts. Oh, that reminds me. So does the email about the so so you hear about this. The, did you get the, the note I sent you about the shirts? No, I don't, I don't see anything. Oh, so the shirt with the scoop neck, which yeah. I think is going to be out of stock till like August or October. October. What? Yeah, October. So. Oh, my God. I was thing months ago. I know. I, they just sent me something. So saying, saying they just back order with like getting their. Wow. Get, getting their yeah, it's a pop- popular style. Huh? Mm. That's crazy. Uh, so yes, yeah, so there's a question about the, the, the uh, if, if they want to change the order or not. But 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 that's a shirt for you, Lisa. So we're trying to figure yeah. out if you wanted a scoop net or if you wanted just like a, like a regular type of t-shirt or you know with the with, with the. Oh, with I, the, I can wait for a scoop net. I can wait for a scoop net. I can wait. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll just you know I'll let you know. Uh, yeah, but yes, I got but, one for I got one for you and Lanell and Felicia. Felicia yeah. D. Henderson. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know that because because she ordered another shirt. She she ordered the Power of the Story shirt, and that already got sent to her. So she's right. you know good mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but see that stuff you can get on the website. There's coffee mugs. There's rant room coffee mugs, which everyone could get, should get. Uh, who should get the who? Who wanted one? Um, Diana wanted one. Yeah, so you know, mm-hmm. there's there's good stuff on there for people who want stuff to know stuff. By the way, we need to cross check uh, to make sure that on our. Um, I haven't seen it at least in a long time that I recall. I haven't seen our actual screenwritersrr.com on our script notes in our in our show oh, notes. Oh, oh, oh! It, it, it should be on there, but if it's not, it'll like. It'll yeah, I on, haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah, it should be in um, this week's notes, this week's script notes. Awesome. Okay. Nice. And um, I already went over my whole spiel, right? Yeah. So anyway, thank you guys. We appreciate you guys. Keep uh, surviving out there. Keep yourself healthy and safe and all that shit. And um, yes. we got to do an episode coming up soon. We got to do a Q&A. So hit us up, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com, <clears throat> or just tweet us, and we'll try to answer your questions there. All right? Again, y'all know how we do it on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, y'all? It is. It is. What it is. is. Peace, y'all. Thank you, guys. All right. Till next week. Yes, indeed. To the Batmobile. Let's go. To the Batmobile. Let's go.
<laughs> so, yeah. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Red Room. Welcome to the Red Room. Red Room. Red Room. Red Room.